Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstampfor, and I hope you had a great Independence Day last week, surrounded by your family and friends. It's great to celebrate the degree of liberty and freedom we are afforded in this country, but let us not forget that our spiritual family all over the world is not as free to worship as we are. Their decision to follow Jesus means in many cases that they are disowned from their family and shunted into hiding for their safety. Their circumstances could easily be a wet blanket on their enthusiasm for Christ, yet they still claim allegiance to His name. As Pastor Todd McQueen continues our base camp series in Romans chapter 5, we'll see that God uses our circumstances to illustrate hope. Do you have good circumstances with lots of freedom to worship? God uses it. Do you have bad circumstances and no freedom? God uses it. Are you somewhere in the middle? Well, God uses that too. So as you listen, remember that there are links in the show notes and in the episode description for all of the scripture that Pastor Todd is talking about, as well as links to our website and other resources that I think will be useful to you. So let's listen into Romans chapter 5 as we hear of a gospel hope. Church, we are in the book of Romans, continuing our series in Base Camp. There's been a lot of good information in Romans this far at Base Camp. Paul has written a letter in the first four chapters. It's all about hey, Jesus loves you, He wants a relationship with you, but then you have a relationship, you have to first recognize that without Him, I don't have a way of dealing with my sin. And we've dealt with a whole lot of what it means to accept the good news of Jesus Christ, which is another word for the gospel. The gospel literally means good news. And so we've been establishing base camp where our faith in Jesus Christ is that camp that we start out in before we go into the expedition of life. It's the idea we have to set up a good spot at hunting camp before we go out hunting, because if we come to camp without water and food, it's not going to be a good hunting camp. So in our faith is the same way. we got to set up camp really well. And the book of Romans walks us through that. And this morning as we turn to chapter 5, it answers the really tough question, what do we do when life really sucks? I believe in Jesus, but life sucks right now. Well, as I was thinking about what to do to start as an illustration for this, I called Pastor Michael and he taught me something about plants. There was a, do you know there's a way of har- making plants without seeds? I didn't know this. You take a plant and you take a stem and you fold it, you pull it out, you know, it grows, and you put it in the dirt and you pin it down. But as you pin it down in the dirt, you wound the branch. They do this stuff on purpose. Now, if I was a plant, I would not vote for this. But it makes an exact replica of the original plant. So you take the stem, and you wound it, and you put it in the dirt, and guess what happens as it grows? It's the plant, the, the, the branch that is wounded, the limb that is wounded, starts developing roots in the soil. That's what I said too, Frank. Wow, this is kind of a fun thing to learn this week. So guess what you do when it gets the new plant forms? 
and it grows, guess what you do to the branch that's connected to the parent branch? You prune it. Ouch! But in the process called plant layering, you have made another plant and you haven't bought a seed. Now, here's the part I like that's kind of applies to this morning. I had to write, you know, put this in there to help us both, you and I, out because I don't do this like Pastor Michael does. But check this part. The sharp bend will often induce rooting, but wounding the lower side of the branch or loosening the bark by twisting the stem may help. Said no tree ever. Said, and it looked, and it works well with rhododendrons, which is the only plant I know how to say. So that's the one I call everything. If Miss Deb was in here, she'd be laughing because I call everything a rhododendron. So rhododendron, if you want a new rhododendron, you just harm the poor thing, put it in dirt, and watch what happens. You're like, why are you starting here? Because how many of us have been wounded recently? And you're asking God, what are you doing? I said I believed in you. I said I wanted to follow you. And I didn't sign up for this action. We're going to start there in Romans chapter 5 this morning. Peace. When life sucks. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It's on page 780. You have a Bible, Frank? There you go. Got it. Good job, buddy. Romans chapter 5. Oh, I'm in Nehemiah. I'm in the wrong book. <laughs> I was looking at that like, that doesn't look like Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop there. Therefore. If you're ever reading and it says, therefore, you have to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? I would say the therefore is there because of Romans 1 through 4. Paul is making an idea change. He says, since I've taught you about God, loves you, you have a sin issue, everybody is guilty of sin somewhere in their life, and God is worthy of judging you, but the gift of good news is in Jesus Christ that he died for you, rose again, and is promised to return. Therefore, faith is more, in Jesus is more about just what happens when I die. What about right now? See, because we believe in what God has promised, that by faith God counted to us righteousness. God declares us guilt-free of our sin because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. By our active faith, we live in light of this faith and these promises. So it's literally the therefore is therefore because it's a summation of chapters 1 through 4. The therefore is therefore to build upon your faith, build upon base camp. Since you believe in Jesus, what about right now? What about this week? Since we believe God, then we're declared guilt-free. We can have peace with God. And peace with God because of that relationship gives us peace now. Only through a relationship with Jesus can you have a peace in the storms of life. When the storms come into base camp, how do you have shelter? In Jesus Christ. So peace. What in the world is peace? Is it from the 60s? Peace, dude. Peace, man. Peace. Take a toe. 
You laughed, uh, Ross. Right, you're right. I wasn't insinuating nothing. I was born in 70, not 60. But anyhow. So peace. What in the world is peace? If our faith gives it to us, what is it? Faith in Jesus does more than solve our sin issue. It gives us a relationship with God. And it's through that relationship that in the storms of life that we can have peace. So how in the world does the Bible define peace? It's basically the possession of a harmonious relationship with God. I can have peace with God because of Jesus. Therefore, that affects my circumstances here on earth. In this life, because of my relationship with God, I can have peace with what is going on because God loves me. He's in charge. He's got this, and he's telling his story. We are no longer at war with God, but now because we have a relationship with him, we can find peace in the war that exists in our world. This sermon makes me nervous because I'm talking about peace and I'm talking about love and I'm talking about faith and trying to do it without going into 35 hours. When you talk about peace, it is rooted, all rooted in so much in this Hebrew word. I didn't do really well in Hebrew, but let me teach it to you. Shalom. How many of you heard the word shalom? Shalom. It means peace. And it's kind of like the word, uh, Frank, you know, you guys have these cool words when you're texting, like hot, you know, all these things, and I have no idea what in the world you mean, right? You, John, you taught me one just the other night. Yeah, you said whatever that, I'm like, wow, well, I have no idea. How many of you older people have seen a text and you're like, what the world's that word mean? Has it done me what it meant when I was a kid, right? So here's this word shalom, and maybe not even of us have even heard this bad boy. But it's developed over and over. And in these circumstances, with God's relationship with Israel, he promises them peace. And these, there's so many ingredients that go into this word. It basically means all is well. Everything's good today. And when they say the word all, they literally mean the word all. The essential ingredients of your physical needs, your mental needs, your societal needs, and your economic needs. When God made promises to Abraham, he addressed all of those. Follow me, and I'll give you all of this shalom, all this peace, and all of these different ingredients. So this rich, rich connection of peace, or this shalom, is directly connected with God's love and his covenants with, the, with people. I will give you peace, Abraham, if you follow, when you follow me because of this agreement I make with you. I'm really going to have to develop it. So if I lose you, just raise your hand. Because God says, I will give you peace in my relationship, Israel, because of my relationship with you or my covenant. In each covenant, each promise is based upon God's love for his people. By the time we get to Jesus, God says, because of my relationship with you through Jesus, through my love toward you because sacrificing my own son from you, I will give you peace. It's these building blocks of God's love illustrating his relationship with people that culminates in the apex of Jesus saying, with the relationship with me comes peace. Now we can work toward peace. Now listen to me well. Peace is not something that you go to the store and buy. 
but it is part of your faith with God. And we've always taught here at Grace Church that faith is active. It's not passive. You don't get it in the mail, put it in your pocket, and sit down and say, got me some faith. Relationship with God is active. He wants to have an active relationship with him. And so as you're working with God, you're making the steps of faith of a follower of Jesus Christ, you can work with this faith idea. It's active, it's moving, it's proactive. But God is always the guardian of peace and the guarantor of peace. Does that make sense? He guards it. I will give you peace because of my love with you. I guard this thing. And I will guarantee it to you because I am the one in charge of this, and I will protect this because I'm God. But I want to have a relationship with you. Walk with me. That's why it's so mind-blowing to me to think about, you know, when they ask people, if you could go any part in time in, in history and walk there and watch what happens, people are like, I want to see World War I, World War II. I just want to watch Jesus walk. How did he guarantee peace and give it in the midst of Bouncing a check in the bazaar, in the marketplace. How did he give peace to his followers in the middle of life? But God's greatest discipline for his people is removing shalom, removing peace. Remember the essential ingredients for peace is not only relationship with God, spiritual, but it's also physical, mental, monetary, economic. When God removes these, times are bad. Think of the book of Jeremiah. Hey, y'all, you're sinning. Repent. If you don't do this, God is going to remove the ingredients of peace. Followers of Jesus Christ this morning, if you want peace, don't run from God. Look at me. I know people that are searching and hunting for peace and have no, want nothing to do with God who created it. And it breaks my heart. If you know Jesus Christ and you're hunting for peace and you're crying and you're weeping inside, and when somebody offers you Jesus Christ, don't say, I got this, and go back to suffering. Because God will work in your life if you claim to be a follower of him and say, I got all this, I don't need any faith. He can say, I can discipline you too. And see me after the worship gathering and I can give you scripture where God gives spankings. The book of Jeremiah is a great big book of spanking. The New Testament has obvious illustrations of those who've chosen to follow Jesus, but he's given spankings. So God is the giver and the guarantor of peace. He loves you, wants a relationship with you. But God's greatest example of peace, of shalom, his love and his covenants and his promises with people, the apex of which is Jesus Christ himself. You have a need. You are a sinner and you're in need of Jesus. That is awesome. And we're going to preach that every single Sunday. But I also recognize that I have my problems taking care of sin with Jesus, but I, life sucked this week. How do I deal with that? And sometimes it's hard to work through this process knowing i got to preach it, and it, life last week was pretty tough. 
And then as I listen to the flock is what they're suffering through to know that Jesus gives this peace. And how do we work this out in daily life in public so people see it? But don't forget this morning that God's greatest example of giving you shalom, giving you peace in love is through Jesus. Because God's love through Jesus Christ meant he said the war is over between you and I. You possess a gift that is a relationship with him that grants a state of well-being regardless of the circumstance. Because if you this morning define peace as lack of trouble, that's hard to mitigate. Because sometimes trouble in my life, in grade school, I learned early that peace and trouble don't exist. I, I get one or the other. But trouble has a way of just running into my front door. I can be doing nothing. And trouble comes running right in. If in your life, you're searching for peace without Jesus. You're trying to mitigate every circumstance so you're large and in charge. But if we as adults this morning, we know that you can't change those. Some things happened to you last week that you didn't have any control over. So how does Jesus give peace in our circumstance? How can he make this even possible? Because it's a quality question this morning to ask me, if life sucks, and you've admitted life sucks, and you say you follow Jesus, then why can you say life sucks in public and on recording? Because it's real. Because you might be asking, you don't know my story. You don't know how tough my life has been in the last week. And quite frankly, I don't know everybody's story. I know some of your stories. And some of those stories are worthy of a Tolstoy novel. That's a bad joke for Russian literature. Um, it means a really great big book with a whole lot of details. Sorry, Frank. I know some of people's stories. And some people this morning say, you, you, you promised me Jesus, and you say following him is going to be able to have peace in my circumstances, but this is really, really a bad situation. I am unique, nobody's ever been through this, and this is really, really rough. How can there be an answer for that? The good news of Jesus Christ. Remember where we started in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, promise, return to Jesus, because why? Paul's not ashamed of it, because why? It's where God's power is illustrated. Today. Right now. We can assume this morning for the sake of argument that God spoke and the world was created. The universe was created. That's some serious power. But what does Paul attribute the power of the good news of Jesus Christ and changed lives today? People having a relationship with Jesus in the midst of tough circumstances where God says, now I'm kicking in the four-barrel. Because now it's tough. Well, there is one verse. Peace, because of Jesus Christ. Shalom. Now, how are we going to rejoice in hope? Move with me to uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, through Jesus, we also obtained access to by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Stop there. We rejoice in what? Hope. Through Jesus, we can have access to God's grace. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. It's upon this free gift of, gift of grace that we can stand. We can have our foundation at base camp. Base camp is built on God saying, here, I want to have a relationship with you. I'm taking the initiative. Through Jesus, through Jesus, even when life is tough, we can publicly declare that we have hope. The hope is not in me being able to figure this out and looking good at the end of the day. The hope is in that God gets the glory. God is telling his story in such a way that it's going to bring glory to him, and I play my part on it. It's kind of like this. I trust Jesus. He's got my life, and he's going to tell his story to promote his glory. So I'm going to play my part in the play of life. God's going to ask me to step onto the scene, play my life when the circumstances and whatever he is going to do. And because of the big part of the overarching part of this play is that he is telling his story for his glory from Genesis to Revelation. Our job is to play the part that God has assigned to us in such a way that he gets the glory. If you were ever part of a big play and all you had to get up and say, yes, and you stepped off the play, off the stage, Good job, because I can't memorize lines. But God has given me a play part, a part in his play, a part in his story, that it says, Todd, in your life, through these years I'm going to give you, I want to illustrate my love story through you. And you don't know which part of that play, you, what the overarching part of the play is, but you just got to play your part well. The hope is that the overarching story of the play is that God gets the glory. And the circumstances of your life is part of the play. It's part of his story. And you get to declare with a megaphone, I'm playing my part for his glory. Not mine. Not for the removal of circumstances, but in light of my circumstances, he gets to tell his story. It's in the harsh circumstances of life that we have hope. Because if hope was based on how well I hope, how hopeful would that be? It's a horrible use of three hopes in a row. But if you had to get up every morning and work hard at hoping, because you were hoping to tell the, your story well that day, that would get tiring. And many of us may be here this morning saying, I'm getting tired of trying to mitigate my circumstances so I look good. But hope, God has not, hope is defined as God's not lost sight of you, nor the power to interact with the circumstances, and he loves you enough to tell his story. Now let's talk about the rough part, rejoicing and suffering. Move with me to verse 3. So we talked about peace, we talked about hope. Romans 5, starting in verse 3. Not only that, not only our relationship with Jesus, it gives us peace and hope. Not only that, but when life right now, when we rejoice in our sufferings, verse 3, 
But we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Rejoicing in suffering. Remember, peace and shalom is done in public. It's because of your circumstances. Rejoicing in your suffering sounds like a medieval horrible night in a cell in a castle. Rejoicing in your sufferings this week. Said no one ever. No one signs up in church on Sunday morning. I'll take some more suffering this week, please. This is the Bible. Are you serious? It says this? How in the world can it say that? I asked that question this week. Let's explore it together. How can you do this? Because suffering is usually done publicly. You can't hide every circumstances that brings all kinds of junk into your life. It's got a way of shoving you into public limelight. Either your family's going to see it, your friends are going to see it, your co-workers are going to see it. Rarely have I ever met anybody that suffered really good, really tough, all by themselves. Usually there's somebody watching. Remember, suffering can take on the form of spiritual, physical, mental, social, and economic. Those five things should remind you that I talked about those with peace. So if God's going to work peace in your life through every one of those circumstances, there's going to be suffering in those aspects that's going to illustrate his power. Does that make sense? These peace and suffering goes hand in hand. What? It's the only way God could write the story that it would make sense. How can I have peace when it's really tough? Because I'm suffering economically. I'm suffering mentally. God will give me peace there. These have to be wedded together. I cannot sell you peace this morning without being honest about suffering in each one of those segments. I will refuse to say, trust Jesus today and life will be better till you die. No. The Bible does not teach that, nor I ever say that. What I'll say is God's good news is declared boldly because you can have peace while you're economically suffering because of what God's going to illustrate through that economic suffering to illustrate his story to a people who are watching you. How can you have peace when you bounce to check? People are going to watch that. That's different. Now, let's go through the process of cultivating hope. It's a hard process. The Bible says, here's what you can do. Here's what's going to happen in the suffering. And by the way, what I'm about to share with you, I wish the ingredients were shorter and easier. But this is what God says. The process. First, you have suffering. You're a wounded limb stuck in the dirt. When you're stuck in the dirt... Suffering produces the great fertile soil because the word produce here means it's like, that's where I got the idea for the plant. It means fertilized soil. If you want to plant an orange tree in Florida, you better start with the orange seed and put it in some good dirt. If we want hope, we got to start with some good fertile soil. And that fertile soil for hope is suffering where God starts. So you have suffering in each one of those areas or in one of those areas. And while you're suffering in this 
as a wounded limb in the dirt of your harsh circumstances, that's where endurance grows. The word endurance means you stick to it, your inner fortitude to keep going when things are tough. Endurance. Has anybody ever competed with their body for some kind of sport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, you're playing football right now. Do you skip two-a-days or training days just because you don't like them? What would the coach say? Yeah, probably like, hey, you can warm the bench. But we'd like to be in the Christian life and say, I don't want to train on endurance. But that's why God gives us, allows suffering to come into our life. We're training for endurance. And endurance then produces in the fertile soil, soil of endurance, out of that grows character. Character. We love people of character. Has anybody here ever had to hire somebody? Well, Corey, I know you hired like a bunch of guys. You hire and fire. You want to see character. Character uses endurance first. Or are you going to show up at 7 or 7.30, whatever time you say? Are you going to be a man of your word and show up? Well, you were out late too long. I don't care what time you went to bed. It's when you get to work, it's when we start. I don't need the sob story. I just need to know that you're going to be there. Then after they've been there for six months to a year, and they've been there all the time to work on time. Rob, you know what it is like. You punch that alarm clock. Rachel, you get up and do third shift. Third shift's the hardest shift in the whole world. But you do it over time, and what comes out of that? Character. We like this. We, we, we'll go smooth with this when it comes to hiring people. Because we know inside, everybody knows that character is not developed in a vacuum. Character is only in the midst of challenge. Because you're going to hire somebody to do something, and, and, well, you do construction. What's character look like on the construction site? You could probably give me five things real quick off the top of your head. Right, it's well built. It's well done. They showed up the work. They've done the work, and it's good when they're doing it. But the process of doing that is not necessarily always the easiest. It's going to rain. It's going to be Florida hot. Which hits me hard. It's, oh, it's Florida hot. But that's the suffering for endurance produces the character. And out of character comes hope. Hope out of all of that. How in the world would God make this connection between character to hope? Because hope has no shame, the Bible says. There's no shame and you know what's coming. Hope is you set your mind that in the future some event will definitely happen. Many of us really hope that if we get done working this next week, there's a paycheck coming. You've gone through the process, and if they just said, hey, we're not paying you now, you're going to work, and you're punching the clock. You're getting up in the middle of the night, middle of the morning, whenever it is. And if they didn't pay you anymore, would you still go clear to Tampa, Ross? If they didn't pay you, they said, hey, you can work, but we're not paying you. No. What is the pay? What is, the, what is God doing with this? Hey, I'm working in through all of this process because in the future, the paycheck is that God's telling his story for his glory. 
What we don't like about that is it doesn't mean doing it for Frank's glory, for your glory. We like the paychecks to come to us. Okay. So you have suffered and you grew in endurance. From that endurance comes your character. And out of your character is hope. It's your spiritual maturity. It's your spiritual workout. It's your spiritual gym. Now, how in the world do we get through this? Pastor Todd, where is the energy to keep going? Because I can be motivated by a paycheck and benefits. Where's the paycheck? What's a dividend? Because God the Holy Spirit takes a picture. The word picture is that he's taken a glass jar and he's poured into your heart love. How many of you heard, you've seen the little signs in people's houses, faith, hope, love? We love to put that up there. It looks good. We can buy it at Walmart. I've just described to you the hope part. It doesn't sound like that story would sell good in a Hallmark card to give for Valentine's Day. Follow Jesus in this process of suffering, endurance, character development, and hope. But this is part of those ingredients. And how does God get us through these things? How does God work with us to have an active relationship with him? He says, Jesus says, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's better that he comes. I need to get out of here. And everybody said, no, 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 no. You stay here. You kind of walk on water and you feed us and stuff. You're the king of kings. You said you were going to be the next King David, man. You stay home. Then he goes to heaven. I'm like, what? He says, no, I got to go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I want you to go to all the world and make disciples for me. This is going to be really tough business. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you that will take up residence in your heart to give you, pour out, take the fire hose and pour into your heart the ability to love one another when life super sucks. So you will have faith in me. So you can get the process of hope. God is wanting to work alongside you and send you the creator of the universe, the Holy Spirit that was there at the very beginning. It says, I wanted him to take up residence in you to pour into your heart, into your innermost parts, the motivation, the why, the answers to be able to interact with a world that's gone crazy. When the, so your next door neighbor has no peace or when your coworker has no peace or the per- person across town that you work with has no peace and they look at you and say, how in the world do you have peace? Holy Spirit's working. I'm going to know the process. I know I'm going to get suffering. I know I'm going to have to endure. I know that's going to prove my character. And quite frankly, I had a person ask me this week, Pastor Todd, how's it going? And I said, I think I'm somewhere between the endurance and character spot. I'm trying to hope. I know God's going to tell a story, but I can't see that far down the road. It's really dark out at 2 in the morning and the headlights are on and I want to see farther down the road of what he is doing in my life. But I know he's telling his story. So I'm working on that endurance and character spot. But I know the incredible promise to end this with is hope, faith, and love is because of what the Holy Spirit pours into us. God's right there. Has not abandoned us or orphaned us. 
So how in the world do we do this? In closing, I've gone a little over. I got excited. I just looked at the clock. I got five more verses. But basically, what Paul says in Romans 5, 6 through 11, he goes through the, what Jesus did. He just got done saying the hard stuff. And, he's, and the obvious question we have this morning is, how in the world do we do this? Listen to me as I read this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and I. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person one may dare even to die. But God showed his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, since we've been declared innocent because of Jesus' blood, much more we have been saved by Jesus from the wrath of God the Father. For while we were enemies with God, we've been reconciled by God by the death of his Son. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we know now have reconciliation. What's he saying? Jesus died for you. You've been declared innocent if you have faith in what Jesus said is true. What God says is true. Jesus died for you. He rose again. And he's promised to return. You have been adopted. You're adopted into his family. Your relationship with God goes on display during trials. Listen. Faith in Jesus is more than just what's going to happen to you when you die. It's for what happens when life sucks. Because God uses our circumstances to illustrate hope. How can we have hope? Because Jesus wants a relationship with you. And through every one of those, he's going to do the spiritual workout of suffering, endurance, character, and hope. And he's got to use that in your life with your circumstances. Why? Somebody's watching. He's telling his story. Where are you this morning? There's the process. Suffering, endurance, character, and hope. There isn't a person in this room that hasn't been some part of suffering. And you can think on your own, I can do the endurance part, and I've got a good character. But you have hope at the end of it. And finally, will those watching you see hope in your circumstance? Because I may not think a thing about this Jesus, dude, and that's a bunch of hogwash for, you know, Bible thumpers. I don't want none of that, Frank. My life's good, I got this. What will people watch to see if Jesus is for real? Your life when things are tough. Are you willing to be watched? Because God's saying, hey, I'm going to give you some suffering. going to allow some suffering to happen. Are you going to go through the process or not? I want to be there with you. Now, can I put that on display? God asks. So this afternoon, tomorrow morning when the alarm clock goes off, 
When you get to work and that dude next to you is making that suffering quotient go up high, are you willing for God to work through those circumstances so he can tell his story that Jesus saves, Jesus wants a relationship with you, and then at the end of this life there is hope and following you? Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.